On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, historic hotels of New Zealand. Yes, roadside inns with a storied history in the north and south. Let's have some fun with Finns and a dip in Helsinki. Plus, we size up the great Hungarian capital, Budapest. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. It's sizzling. Good to be with you, Andrew. Very sizzling indeed. Always good to see you, Michael. Now, we thought we would start with a look through some of New Zealand's finest historic pubs, roadside inns with a storied history, and not just in Stephen King novels. They've been part of our landscape for, well, since the earliest days of our nation, and places you can stay the night in. They are seriously good hospitality gems, and they're scattered across the country, guaranteed to charm your pants off if no one else does. Yes, get your pants charmed off in a hotel for the night. So whether you're looking for a tasty weekender or a few nuggets to add to a longer road trip, they are ideal stops. We will cruise through the South Island shortly, but let us start in the North, Michael. Could there be a more salubrious way to start your day than by gazing out at Russell's Pahutakawa-fringed shoreline at the Duke of Marlborough Hotel? Mmm. Now, this is Russell's Hospo Jewel. It is an absolute heart stealer. It was where the very first liquor licence was granted in New Zealand. Now, the place started in 1827. Thirteen years later, we became a country, da, 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 and the first government, the first liquor licensing agency. And in 1840, Johnny Johnston's grog shop became a legal <laughs> Liquor shop. (laughs) And if you haven't seen the Duke for a while, which is what Johnny Johnston's grog shop has been absorbed into, the thing about the hotel today is it's looking resplendent because just before COVID, they had a $12 million revamp. There's something about a grog shop being absorbed into or (laughs) soaked up in the Duke. Yes. Anyway, uh, what about Napier? Napier is a lovely place to stop. It certainly is. And obviously we are thinking of everyone in Hawke's Bay and uh, the East Cape at the moment, uh, given the ongoing recovery from the cyclone. And probably a good time uh, where a drink wouldn't go astray. Well, that's true. And they will be needing our dollars as they get uh, themselves back on their feet um, and purring away. Of course, uh, one of the casualties from uh, the cyclone was the big Art Deco weekend, which was due to be held in mid-February. That's had to be canned. But one of the places that is a real emblem of all things Art Deco in Napier is the Art Deco Masonic Hotel. It embodies Napier's soul. And uh, the very first hotel was erected on this site in 1861. Now, this story has a bit of a sting in the tail because today's symmetrical and unmistakably Art Deco property was erected in the wake of another disaster Mm. uh, when the town had to be basically rebuilt after the 1931 earthquake. And it was essentially unchanged since it was first built, but has recently, you know, got a bit of weather. That's true. Thankfully, the hotel has come through okay uh, from all reports. So what you will see when you go to the Art Deco Masonic Hotel, all of these amazingly themed rooms, which 
celebrates some of the great guests that have uh, bedded down at the hotel over the decades. There's like the Royal Suite, where the Queen bedded down during her coronation tour. Did someone charm her pants off? <laughs> well, actually, I think um, HRH uh, Prince Philip was with her. So I guess it was all happy families. Oh, well, Philip, anything goes then. <laughs> That's true. There is the Jean Batten Suite. And my favourite's the Anna Pavlova suite, which is where the Russian ballerina stayed when she visited Napier. But all of the rooms explode with art, deco, flair and colour. Now, when it comes to historic pubs, the Waira Rapper is absolutely spoiled for choice. That is so true. And Martinborough is a really good place to start for a ready-made mini break. And right in the heart of town, the showpiece, the grand old Martinborough Hotel. Superb dining in their Union Square Bistro. And then just up the road in Greytown, which is such an artisan honeypot of a town, uh, they've got um, some incredible pubs in Greytown. Which is, and that also brings me to another wee thing we have in New Zealand. So Waira Rapper, people call it the Waira Rapper. It's like Waikato. People call it the Waikato. You never, you know, never. The Canterbury. Yeah, exactly. Not so much. No, not so much. No. Now, the gorgeous old Greytown Hotel enjoys the rare distinction of never being moved. It's been in the same place. It's never burned down, never changed its name since going up way back in 1860. Yeah, she is a true grand dame, the Greytown Hotel. And also on the main street in Greytown, the spectacular White Swan Hotel. Now, this has got a really quirky backstory. This one has been moved because the building you see today actually began life as a railways admin block and lower hut. Good place for drinking. <laughs> I'm sure there's been plenty of drinking in the building over the uh. years, but it was deemed a surplus to requirements by Kiwi Rail. So this long wooden building was hauled over the Rimataka Ranges by truck in six pieces to begin a new life. It's a very convivial, stylish hotel. It really is the beating heart of Greytown. They actually had a major accident as they were hauling it over the Rimataka Hill, and part of it slid down the hillside. (laughs) But they were able to salvage it, so it's looking spankingly good in downtown Greytown. Sublime dining and effervescent hospitality. I do wonder if that was the inspiration for the Spates ad. Remember when they had the hotel in the Spates ad and they actually separated it and moved it? I, I think it probably was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Other North Island suggestions, Michael. Where did you frequent? Well, I do love Prince's Gate Hotel. Oh, yes. Uh, This is in Rotorua. And for the ultimate North Island heartland experience, I would strongly suggest enjoying a night in the self-proclaimed Republic of Whanga Momana, and you can even get your passport stamped in the hotel. Wow. Your passport. Do you know, actually, as I read, the European Union has abandoned passport stamps now. Seriously? Yeah. No more passport stamps. Everything's electronic, so you can no longer get your passport. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Well, we don't do it anymore. No, we don't. No. No. Mm. Now, crowning Taranaki's Forgotten World Highway, this legendary waterhole is one of our most remote. Over a century old, this hotel has smartened up its accommodation offerings. It has, because it was a bit... Cheap and cheerful, shall we say. You're going to say it was a dive. Well, it was close to. Yeah. Yeah. But now. It's been zhuzhed up. Oh, I like um, I was actually intrigued to learn that the hotel provided their chillers as makeshift mortuaries during the 1918 pandemic. Thankfully, they did not have to do an encore performance of that during COVID. What a fancy beer. <laughs> yeah. It's come out of our mortuary. Yes. 
Right. Stay with us. Uh, <laughs> that does sound like a Stephen King novel. It's very mm. shining. Mm. Shortly, we head uh, southbound to check out some historic southern hospitality nuggets. Don't go away. Back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, let us head south to look at the mainland's finest historic pubs that you, yes, you can stay at, have a night in some of these grand old places. Now, the West Coast, well, the West Coast and pubs are pretty synonymous, to be honest. Mm. Mm. The pub is really a byword for the West Coast, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Mm. (laughs) Um, If affordable boutique luxury is your thing, and I have to admit, it is one of my great cravings in life. It is, yes. Um, you cannot go past the Theatre Royal Hotel in Coomera. It's been a fixture, this place, since the start of the West Coast Gold Rush. So much history. I loved the Barbara Weldon room. That's where I stayed. And <laughs> The Barbara Weldon room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> explain this, Michael. Well, during the restoration of the hotel, workers discovered sawdust in the wall linings. How about that? It was a very primitive form of soundproofing. Yeah, very effective too. And the reason was because there were dancing girls, shall we say, employed to dance with the miners. So when you, when you, (laughs) shall we say, are you trying to infer that the dancing girls did more than just dance with the miners? They did. They took it to a horizontal level. I hope none of them were under 21, because then there'll be miners with a miner. <laughs> That's very true. Outstanding. Um, and I hope they weren't drinking either, otherwise they'd be drinking underage with a miner as a miner. Anyway, yes. if they took their dancing to a horizontal level, they generally used this room, which is now known as the Barbara Weldon room, which is why there's all this sawdust in the wall lining. So, so was Barbara Weldon a... a, a um, she was one of the dancers. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Amongst her many talents. Right. Which segues nicely to the next point about King Dick. And... <laughs> how do we put the list together in this order? King Dick. Yes. <laughs> What Richard John Seddon himself was a regular, uh, taking <laughs> to the stage to sing. Yes, and, and if he's at a place that has horizontal dancing girls <laughs> and his nickname is King Dick, yes, he probably did more than just singing. I but don't, let's go with that. <laughs> I don't know if Barbara met King Dick, but um, <laughs> he has he his his, his memory has. His legacy um, is honoured at the Theatre Royal Hotel because they have. We all stand to attention. (laughs) Exactly. Because one of the magnificently themed rooms they have is called the Seddon Suite. And this is actually directly across the road from the main hotel in the old Bank of New Zealand branch. Where King Dick may have made a deposit. Yes. Great. Now, the Empire Hotel in Ross yes. is a lovely little example. Oh, it's very nuggety. Oh, Very nugget. rustic. Oh. History galore. Mm-hmm. The historic Empire Hotel in Ross. So you, you can just breathe in the authenticity along with a good whiff of wood smoke uh, as you enjoy a pint and perhaps some fresh white bait fritters. Did they have any horizontal dancers on offer here? I think they danced all sorts of ways there. Right. Mm. Mm. It exudes an atmosphere you cannot design or buy. And it's like this just hoard of memorabilia. Lots of old gold mine badges and photos and knickknacks and all sorts of 
vintage paraphernalia. It's fabulous. It's like a museum within a hotel, but great value in-house accommodation is the cherry on top. The cherry on top. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the formerly the Black Ball Hilton is worth a mention too, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you spent some time on the West Coast. Did you ever go to Black Ball? I did, yes. yes. So this is located at the foot of the Paparoa Ranges, just 29K from Greymouth. Excellent. Over 110 years ago, formerly the Black Ball Hilton uh, has a long and fascinating history in the town that gave birth to the Labour Party. Yes. And of course, they've got to call it formally the Black Ball Hilton because there was the big lawsuit with the Hilton Hotel chain. Um, But today what you see is this very old school style pub sporting its history lustily on its walls, uh, lots of architectural character. During COVID, it actually added a fresh page to blackball history, yes. becoming the town's first ever drive-through with takeaway pub meals, a smash hit. So people could just rock up to the pub um, and grab a meal out the window and off they went. Did they hand you a pint as well? Well, I don't know if that was on offer, but possibly. It is the West Coast after all. <laughs> um, is very true. <laughs> but they do really good bed and breakfast deals there now, so it's worth adding to your list. Absolutely. Now, Central Otago, a lovely place. A, a If you've never been to Central Otago, it is a must. So true. And rail trailers, uh, of course, get to see a lot of uh, the uh, hinterland nooks and crannies of Central Otago as they bike their way through the landscape. And the Otago Rail Trail generally includes a couple of really good old-timer pubs on their circuit, one is the Vulcan Hotel in St. Bathans. Very famous. Very, yeah. It's a wee treasure, and yeah. it's fa- a favourite for paranormal investigators. Really? Yes. Why? Now, well, <laughs> there are no shortage of reported ghost sightings. Yeah. Um, there are only six living inhabitants in St. Bathans, but God knows how many ghosts they've got. Oh, yes, yes. But um, if you stay the night at this irresistible Vulcan Hotel, which is the only surviving pub in St. Bathans. Well, with only six residents, you'd expect so, but. Yes, yes. But you Mm. may be surprised who is joining you in your room at some ungodly hour. But it is one of the oldest mud brick adobe buildings left standing in New Zealand. (laughs) Who are you? King Dick. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm Barbara. (laughs) Now, room one is apparently home to The Rose. She was strangled in the pub in 1880. And again, folks, we like to talk about gruesome deaths and you know mm. where to go to experience some of this. Mm. Not the deaths. Uh, some guests vow and declare uh, they felt like they were grabbed and held down in the night, mm. particularly male guests. Yes. So if you're fancying a stay where you, yes. you know, feel like being held down overnight. Yes. Put this one in the diary. I actually read a story, I think it was in the Otago Daily Times, just a few months ago because the pub changed ownership and one of the bar staff has stayed on there under the new owners. Uh, And man alive, the story she can tell about what she has seen over, I think it's about 25 years she's been working there, incredible. So if you do like nocturnal visitations as part of your holiday experience, you never know your luck at the Vulcan. Yes, and then there's Danzy's Pass Coach Inn. Have you ever driven Danzy's Pass? A long time ago. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It is very wild. Um, It is like your back of beyond last frontier road trip experience to reach the Danzy's Pass Coach Inn, which is just nearby Naseby, 
But if you want to drive it from the Waitaki Valley, you turn off close to Duntroon and then go over mm. Dancy's Pass, as uh, the name would suggest. But it's like <laughs> a movie set location. It's wrapped in raw alpine drama. Uh, you've got the Kakanui Mountains. And this hotel is long and it's low slung. It was first built in 1862. And it just sort of beckons like a roadside refuge as you come out of Dancy's Pass. Again, this does sound like the setting for a Stephen King movie. <laughs> this is like the Shining episode, isn't it? It really is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and as you'd expect, with such an atmospheric inn, open wood fires, wooden floors, exposed beams feature prominently in the lounge, the dining rooms, and accommodations are elegantly furnished. Uh, with plenty of heritage elements like wooden joinery, brass fittings, copper piping, red rum written on the mirror and lipstick. (laughs) (laughs) This historic coaching is an alpine treasure and it will accentuate your experience of traversing Dancy's Pass. Okay, now you've got to mention the Cardrona Hotel, right? Oh, the best of the best. Well, now we're getting back to a Spates ad, yes. Yes, and this is... The 1860s, sweetheart, down in that wonderful part of New Zealand. So if you're driving like the Crown Range between Queenstown and Wanaka, you will go right past it. But stop, stop and stay the night and order up some frickles. Some frickles. I I do like a frickle. Oh, yes. Now, these are those Canadian-style deep-fried dill pickles. Mm. So, you know, fried and pickles gets you a frickle. Frickle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually put that together. Thank you so much. So, yes, situated in the Cadrona Valley, um, you will just love this 1863 sweetheart. A lot of people just like fleetingly stop, grab a photo, chuck it on the Insta, and they're off to Wanaka. Don't be stupid. Don't do that. It is a cracker place to spend a night. And finally, also back open post-COVID, Stewart Island's grand old South Sea Hotel. Oh, yeah. So it's got that ringside view overlooking Half Moon Bay. Yeah, the island's social hub is pulsing, if you like, with vitality once again, complementing the fully licensed restaurant, the South Sea offers modern studio units in addition to the original hotel rooms. It's a Kiwi classic. It is actually a Kiwi. I know it sounds like a bit of an infomercial, but it yeah. really is. And Half Moon Bay is oh. just stunning. So yeah. you want to go and check that out. I love it because when you go to the pub, you just get this great cross-section of society. You've got, you know, your perky millennials there looking for the next Insta shot. You've got grizzled fishermen just in with their fresh catch of cod, retired travellers. It's just a wonderful place. Yeah, the great melting pot. Check it out. Now, stay with us. Coming up, we get hungry in Budapest. I know. And we take a swing through Helsinki. Don't go away. Back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Now, if you are dreaming of some long-haul journeys this year, perhaps, uh, Mike is a huge fan of Helsinki. The Finnish capital. Fun with fins, Mm. he calls it, which sounds like a dress-up party with sharks. But anyway, how does it compare to other Scandi capitals like, you know, Stockholm, for example? It's a good question, and it's very distinctive, largely because its history is a hybrid of being ruled by the Swedish and then the Ruskies. So they've only been an independent nation for a century. It's yeah. actually quite a young country in that respect. Yeah. Uh, it's a very compact, very walkable city. And I reckon it's like a grittier, miniature blend of a bit of Stockholm and a bit of St. Petersburg. Careful. Putin will want it back. Well, I'm sure he'd be sizing it up, yes. Um, but you do get those 
uh, Finnish flourishes as well. Everyone speaks English. The Finns are exceptionally friendly people. And for a first-timer like myself, yes. it was such a fantastic city to free roam. And, of course, at the middle of the year, sort of June, July, August, you virtually get 24 hours of daylight. Yeah, yeah, which is really odd Crazy. For, for people like us that mm. come from this little place called New Zealand. Now, yeah. you would have dipped into the Finnish design scene, which they're quite proud of. They are. My sister actually said to me, uh, can you please go and see Marameko for me? I thought, who the hell is Marameko? That would be something Lisa would ask, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a very girly-oriented sort of design scene. I don't mean that in a sexist, misogynist way, but it is. It's just very girly. You know, it's like very flowery. And their showpiece design boutiques can be found in the Tory quarter of the CBD. I did go to a really cool homeware store called Balmure. They pride themselves on ethical luxury. So they do the most wild things like reindeer leather chairs. <laughs> so how is reindeer leather ethical luxury? Well, supposedly they have farms of reindeer. Mm-hmm. So they're not plucking them out of the wild. They are breeding them commercially. Uh, in a sustainable manner. And how does that compare to battery farming? I think the reindeer are free-ranging. So they have a – Rudolph has a happy time until he's turned into a leather lounge suite. Okay. (laughs) Yes. He's not cooped up. You know, he can can roam. Oh. Yeah, he can roam and he can sniff and he can – Fornicate and <laughs> roam free before you become a city. Right. <laughs> that could be the byline. Yeah, it could be. Um, but yes, Marameco, the most famous Finnish brand of all. It's like the poster child for Finnish fashion and finishings for 70 years. Finnish. F- <laughs> that's a lot of Fs. Finnish fashion and furnishings. Fick, that's a lot of Fs. <laughs> so you could sort of sum up Marameco as lots of eye-catching patterns, lots of loud colours. In fact, that's probably what differentiates Finland's take on Nordic cool from the likes of the Swedes. So, like, if you if I say IKEA to you, you just sort of see beige, right? You just see, like, bland, sort of blonde wood. You do. Yeah. But Marameko is all... Colour pops. Well, yeah, Sweden is has a way about it. You know you can't dance in Sweden unless the bar you're dancing in has a dancing licence. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Mm. Anyway, the architectural highlights. Of Helsinki. <laughs> of Helsinki, yes. They have got so many. What yeah. I love about this place is uh, it's like nature left its calling card from the last ice age because all over the city you've got these hillock-like mounds of granite rock rising up from the street. And rather than blowing them up when they were rolling out the city design, uh, they've built Helsinki very thoughtfully around these mounds. <laughs> so it feels very raw with all these massive big granite outcrops downtown. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it is. It's sort of like in harmony with nature. We'll build around you. We won't knock you over. Yet we'll make cities out of our reindeer. Well, there is that, yes. No, no, good, good. Thank you. Um, What I did love was a man-made structure called the Campy Chapel, and it's like this giant egg-shaped wooden chapel. The locals Ah. adore it, uh, and it was built partly in response to Finland's hideous domestic violence statistics. Now, the idea behind this chapel is that central city workers can pop in to download the day's aggravations and worries so they don't take their stress home to their families. There's even volunteer counsellors and private cubicles on site if you need someone 
one-on-one. Isn't that great? Do you know Germany's answer to that was having a phone line that you can call and abuse people? Really? Yeah. Awesome. You let your aggressions out. You call this number in Germany. You are a prick. <laughs> and, then, and then the people are paid to listen to That's people. That's awesome. Are, anyway. Just letting the steam off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it has been successful in yeah. driving down uh, domestic violence rates in Helsinki. Well, that's fantastic. That's uh, yeah. probably something no one else would have thought of, but I know. a really good idea. I love it. And in a city that loves pushing the boundaries, one of Helsinki's hottest new additions is the central library called Audi. Apparently, Turanga in Christchurch, the new library, mm-hmm. um, took a lot of its design cues from Audi uh, because it was just being acclaimed all over Europe as this sort of boundary-breaking library. So what you notice in Audi in Helsinki is similar to what you see in Christchurch, where you've got all sorts of services and facilities that are redefining the whole concept of what a library is about. I went for a wander through there, and they had, like, free-to-use recording studios, sewing machines, yeah. lecture spaces, gaming consoles, 3D printers. In fact, there was a there was a guy I watched while I was in the library, using a 3D printer to make a replacement handle for their fridge at home. Yeah, why not? Isn't that brilliant? Well, interestingly, a lot of uh, alternative schools have been taking this uh, the the same sort of inspiration and doing doing things there. Yeah. Yeah. They're very cool. And interestingly, too, um, there's an olive tree growing mm. between the bookshelves. Yes. Reminds me of that uh, restaurant I was in in Penang that had the live tree growing up. I remember you It saying. was refreshing sitting there inside next to a live growing tree. Mm. So I guess it would be the same in Audi. Yeah, very much. I think, once again, that tree is a reminder of how, yeah, the Finns love to sort of coexist harmoniously with nature. Love it. Okay, finish food. Oh. And I bet you finished it. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> At the beginning. Fronting the harbour, Market Square is the place you want to go to graze. Uh, feast yourself stupid on Baltic herring mm. and Nordic berries. Oh. I am besotted with their berries. <laughs> and they don't have a Mary berry. What? Oh, she's a British cook. Of course, yes. yes. But you, you've got really cool berries like Arctic bramble berries, sea buckthorn, juicy cloud berries. I binged on their berries. I'm sure you did. Something which is a bit of a local staple that I'm not sure about is oh, yes. salted licorice. This is very popular in many parts of the world. Mm. Yeah, It's sort of doused in ammonium chloride, which is very good for the winter. It's warming. Yes. It tastes horrific. It does. In the inside of the old market hall, so you've got Market Square and lots of stalls outside selling the berries and so forth. Then they've got the old market hall. So wander in there, and this is where you've got like quite posh nosh local cuisine. I had a plate of potato waffle and shrimp scuggin, which was fabulous. Ooh. And Lepish cuisine is hugely popular here. It is, yes. So let's go back to the finished design and <laughs> the reindeer leather. Yes. Um, so what does the rest of the reindeer get used for? <laughs> I have a feeling you're about to tell me. I had a lunch plate of moose, elk, and reindeer meatballs, that, ooh. which were very delish. Yeah. I did pass up the chance to try bear meat. I just couldn't go there. No. No. I'm still on reindeer, elk, and moose meatballs. Yeah. How much was the plate of that? Quite pricey. Well, I'm not surprised. Mm. It's only two per animal. So I hear you enjoyed some sauna time. Well, it would be incredibly <laughs> rude. rude. not to. Quite yes. impertinent. <laughs> not to have a frolic with the fins. Oh, uh, no. 
And it's such an insatiable obsession, sauna time in Finland. Well, I thought you were going to say frolicking with the Finns. <laughs> there are public saunas everywhere where you're expected to sizzle yourself fully naked in close quarters, complete with birch branches to slap yourself with. You are not meant to slap anyone else. <laughs> Go on. If that sounds just a little bit confronting for you, I have a suggestion. Oh, no. <laughs> Down at the harbour, very close to Market Square, they've got this fantastic new facility on the waterfront called Alas, and it's like a little network of sauna cabins and outdoor seawater pools. Mm-hmm. Some are heated, some are not. So this is brilliant for that full sensory experience of temperature extremes where, you know, you you cook yourself like a crisp in the sauna and then just dunk yourself in the Arctic waters of the harbour. Brilliant. Very life-affirming, I found. Right. Now, I realise that my next task is to change from the mental image of Michael fully naked, slapping himself with a birch birch branch in a sauna in Finland. Yes. So we should probably make a move to Budapest. Yes. Back in a moment. You're back with Kiwi Trips. There's Mike and Andrew as we try and rapidly move past the visual image of Mike Yardley and a birch branch. One of Eastern Europe's great capital cities is Budapest. In Hungary, and that was a bad accent too. What's the big, <laughs> what's the biggest mistake visitors make with Budapest? I think the most common complaint is, "I wish I had more time. I wish I had chosen to stay here longer. I wish I wasn't just here for twelve hours before I jumped on that wretched river cruise down the Danube to Vienna." Okay, we get the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would say number one recommendation. Budapest needs at least four nights. Okay. Mm. Lovely. So the, <laughs> the accommodation is still remarkably cheap by European standards, so it's a good value destination, really. Definitely. Yeah. They're still rebuilding the city in the wake of World War II. Yes. 70. I mean, you know, it's 70 years on. Mm, but that's right. the same crews that are dealing with Christchurch post the earthquake have yeah. clearly been working in Budapest. Yes, this is true. And it is like this constant labour of love to revive Budapest's full glory. With such a bloodstained history, you can literally place your fingers in the bullet holes of buildings. Uh, They recently finished this massive restoration project to St. Matthias Church, which is a gem. It was built 900 years ago, converted into a mosque by the Ottomans before reverting to its Catholic roots. But that is just a must when you're in the city. Absolutely. Incidentally, if you ever find yourself in the part of Berlin that was East Berlin, you can still see bullet holes yes. in the buildings and yes. put your fingers in there. Yep. Watch where you put your fingers in Berlin. Something very trendy is the collection of pop-up bars in derelict buildings awaiting restoration. They're called ruin bars. I love this. Mm. I do love a ruin bar. Oh, yes. One I went to is called Tequeria, Tequ- uh, which was... It for- sounds like tequila after. <laughs> You've had a few of them. <laughs> Takeria, yeah, T-A-Q-U-E-R-I-A. Mm-hmm. Now, this was formerly the provisioning depot for Hungarian railways. What is it with ex-railway buildings that become drinking oh, establishments? I know. Yeah. But it's such a great spot to down the local drop, Palinka, mm-hmm. which is Hungary's plum brandy. Don't have too many of them. You'll go do, Lily. 
do Lily Railway to Kira. And that's when you'd be saying, oh, I have two to Kira's. <laughs> what about the central market? Every place you visit has got a central market, and this yes. one is very, very nice. It's a banger, yes. This big wrought iron colossus, it's the size of four rugby fields. Ah, the rugby fields make a return. Yes, I know you like my rugby field maths. Mm, I do. Uh, the merchants at this market sell everything imaginable. Oh. Mm. Mm. Bit of black market <laughs> trade going on there too, I have to say. Right. But. <laughs> Did you pick up any nice birch leaves? <laughs> <laughs> no. I made a beeline for the food stalls. Of course you did. Which you will find upstairs. And you can just tuck yourself into all sorts of authentic peasant dishes. Things like goulash soup. Oh, lovely. And langos. Now, I'm in love with langos. Mm-hmm. In fact, I recall vaguely when we were talking about the Sunshine Coast last year. Yes. I think I was eating langos in Yamundi. You were. At the Yamundi markets. Yeah. But if you want to try the real deal, real McCoy langos, Budapest, hello. And this is like fried flatbread. So grab a high stall, tuck into your goulash soup, your langos, and also enjoy a spicy sausage and a beer for about two New Zealand dollars. Good grief. Now, tasty hospo spots. Uh, there are a few of them, some of them quite famous. Yes. Uh, there is this striking new futuristic-looking shopping complex called Balna, which is shaped like a whale. And if this sounds vaguely familiar, what? chances are, I know, chances are you watched the movie The Martian featuring oh. Matt Damon because he walked through it. <laughs> not, one of, not one of my top watches, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the reason I mentioned Belner is because it is home to the most incredible stack of superb craft beer bars. Now, you can just bar hop your way through. Apart from craft beers, mm. um, cakes and pastries and Budapest. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, mm. this had to be mentioned. Yes. So there was this grand old institution called the Gerbud Pastry Shop on Vorosmati Square. Mm-hmm. Gerbud. Mm. It's been going strong for nearly 200 years. That's a lot of cake. That is a lot of cake. So this is a must-do for a dose of Hungarian decadence. Now, <laughs> scenery is just sort of Different, out of this world, Mm. much to see. Mm. What's your favourite viewpoint in Budapest? It's a really tough question, Andrew, because it's got that magnificent setting where you've got those sort of banks rising up from the Danube River, giving you the most brilliant elevated perches across the city. But I reckon the best of the lot Mm -hmm. is right on top of Castle District in Fisherman's Bastion, which is a medieval lookout with seven turrets, so you get all sorts of perspectives over the city from oh, these turrets. How cool. And these turrets are in honour of the seven original Hungarian tribes. So you can jump on a funicular. You love my, you know about my I, fetish. We should do a podcast on the world's great funiculars. Yes. Because we have covered a lot of them. We have. You can never go wrong with a trusty funicular to reach a hilltop. No. And this is what you will need to get to Fisherman's Bastion, one of the city's great icons. Now... I'm a little loath to ask the next question. Yes. But I'm sure you went bathing yes. somewhere. Yes. Yeah, where where oh. is it? Yes. Well, the Romans were the ones who <laughs> staked out all of that wonderful hot thermal water bubbling underneath Budapest in the city's belly. Mm-hmm. So they started developing thermal baths all over Budapest back in the day, and the Hungarians have really not even given up on that. They love it. They love having a good soak. So you've got all these hot baths all over 
the city. One of the best is Galoot Hot Baths. Very nice. Oh. Oh, very nice. And Na- Named after Bishop Galoot? Yes. So you've got a... You've got a hot bath where people get in, get naked, named after a bishop. Yes. Wonderful. What could go wrong with that? What could go wrong? Well, actually, if you take a walk up Galoot Hill, nearby Galoot Hot Bubs, you will notice a lot of things can go wrong in Hungary. (laughs) Because poor old Bishop Galoot, he was the city's patron saint, right? Yes. And he was placed in a spiky barrel during a pagan revolt and rolled off the hillside, plummeting to his death. What a way to go. Sounds like Peter Plumley Walker. Does have shades of that. It does, yes. Mm. The hilltop spot where it all happened is also actually a fantastic lookout over the city. Now, there are lots of quirky attractions here. Mm. Lots. It's a city of 90 museums. 90, Mm. nine zero Mm. museums. Holy heck. So you might need more than four nights, actually, if you really want to dive into Budapest. But I reckon the most sobering, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this because you've had very similar experiences. In Mm. Budapest, they've got this museum called the House of Terror, Mm -hmm. which was the Nazi torture chamber. And then under the communists, headquarters for the fearsome secret police. Mm-hmm. So that's very powerful to visit. And I think it's probably similar to the ones you see in Germany. Yeah. You can't escape what happened there. There's an air of something that yeah. hangs over it. So yeah. you've got to go and check out those places because no matter what you do to it, yeah, <laughs> it's always going to feel the same. That's very true. To lighten the mood. <laughs> as, as we do after we always visit one of these death chambers. <laughs> yes. Post House of Terror, head to the Rubik's Cube exhibition. Now, the reason I mention this is because <laughs> Mr. Rubik is one of Budapest's most famous sons. Yes. And they host the annual Rubik's Cube World Champs. Do you know what the current world record is, by the way, for cracking Rubik's Cube? No. 5.2 seconds. Wow. Isn't that nuts? I remember getting my first Rubik's Cube. I think it was 1984. Yes, that'd be right. Yeah. I still haven't cracked it. No. I got mine in 85. And then all the all the loser kids would go, oh, you just pop it apart or you take yes, the stickers off. that's oh, right. Oh, that's oh. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. So how easy is it to get to Budapest? Well, if you are doing a bit of a romp around Europe, which is always recommended. It um, is, yes. It's only a three-hour train ride from Vienna. Big, so big fan of the trains. Definitely the easiest way to get in and out. And as I mentioned before, it is a major hub also for Danube River Cruises. So that makes it um, a very popular year-round destination. And being that close to Vienna, you can conceivably do a whole bunch of stuff like Germany, France, yep. Austria, Czech Republic, uh, Czech Republic, mm. all in, and they're they're all pretty much less than half a day's train ride from each other. Easy at the outside, yep. and that's the thing. And this is what I did in my last trip to Europe. I looked and went, well, where do I not want to miss out? Yes, and I, well, I'm close enough to here, so yes. I might as well go there for a couple of days. In fact, that reminds me, one of Andrew's favourite places is Prague. Oh, yes. I think we're going to have to have a good dive into Prague in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Okay. Okay. That is it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the Kiwi Tripsters website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. You can check out our travel articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. We would always love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. And there are so, so many. Oh, yes. 
Bouquets and brickbats, we take them all, whether you run hot or cold like a fickle fin. Your feedback is very welcome. Even if you apply it with a birch branch. Yes, even if you want to smack us over the chops with your birch branch. The chops? Well, yes, wherever. We look forward to catching up with you for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters, as he says, moving on very quickly before this goes downhill any further. Slap. In a, in a week's time. Take care now. Hooray. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.